contract that will bind the Triple H and Stone Cold Steve Austin to a matchup to take place at No Way Out. If Triple H and Stone Cold have any physical altercation, Austin's out of WrestleMania. Bye bye to the title shot, and Triple H is gone for six months. It's official, ladies and gentlemen. We have our match. gonna make me lose my control it's not gonna make me get suspended for six months but it is gonna make me have an answer what the hell are they doing that's a pentagram jr oh! pentagram jr boy the game is smart isn't he he knows how close the rattlesnake and jr is he knows what friendship they have the most intense personal rivalry in the history of the wwf ends at the way Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Matt Manus Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host for tonight, Alo Aaron Lloyd, and we back, ladies and gentlemen. I know I said next week, it turns almost a month, but the world revolves around my daughter. <laughs> so it's her world, and I'm just living in it. So, welcome back, everybody. This week's gonna be all about No Way Out 2001. Also, I'm gonna get into some Elimination Chamber. So, make sure to, as always, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Poppy, and Stitcher. Go to whatamaneuver.net for your Matt Madness gear. And head over to Ringside Collectibles. Use that promo code MMADNESS to save 10% off your order. Pick up the new Ultimate Editions of Edge and Macho Man Randy Savage and other new figures. So, before we get into the advertised content, I'm going to talk about what's going on currently on television. Uh, Raw's fucking horrible. We just going to get that the fuck out of here. Raw, Raw is terrible. But... Elimination Chamber was this past Sunday. I thought it was a really good show. Salute to WWE for making it uh, two two and a half hours, four matches only. So I'm going to give them props for that because that was the real treat of this entire thing. So they're getting a showstopper just for, for that for the whole time constraint. They're getting a showstopper for that. Um, but I really thought that the matches on that card were actually validated and actually moved things forward. Because I'm going to get into this when I talk about No Way Out. About this whole term WWE uses the road to WrestleMania, and oftentimes in recent memory, the road to WrestleMania is usually just a open freeway straight to WrestleMania. There's never any uh, stops, turns, yields, constructions, accidents. There's never really nothing in front of anything. But we actually have something here. So first of all, I want to talk about the Miz cashing in the Money in the Bank contract because we've been championing the Miz being WWE champion almost every year as one of our uh, New Year's uh, New Year's predictions, and we've been wrong almost every year except 2021. So five years in, and we eventually made it right. So uh, well deserved by the Miz. Um, he, he's going to end up being a transitional champion, but just the thought of the Miz being WWE champion once again, and the fact that he deserves it because 
We were champion in Miz in 2016 and 2017 when he was with Maurice. That would been the perfect time to put the belt on him, but they actually didn't do it. But if anybody deserves it in that company, it definitely is the Miz. So congratulations to him. We're all happy for you, even though we know it's shortly going to come to an end because of this whole Bobby Lashley thing. So the Miz cashes in on Drew McIntyre at the end of the Elimination Chamber due to help from Bobby Lashley. And they actually plant the seeds really well for this at Elimination Chamber with Miz talking to MVP. And I like how the fact that Lashley didn't lose, well, he wasn't in the decision to lose a U.S. title, and he's directly going into something bigger. So he's, he lost one title, but he's looking at the bigger picture going into the world title. I like that whole aspect of it. I think Lashley has been really good for the, for, the, for the past six to eight months since he's been with MVP. And I think if anybody does deserve it, it's him because, but the, the whole raw landscape for WrestleMania for, for the WWE championship is kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of foggy because we don't know what they have. There's nothing really there going on. Um, there's no stars that actually really stood out. Now, Bobby Lashley might not have the star power as an edge or Roman Reigns, but Bobby Lashley has kind of been the constant on Raw. Has actually been one of the best things on the show since the summer. Since aligning himself with MVP. And MVP's been amazing for him. And Lashley is doing his best. And that's just not talking at all. Just being a complete badass. And I'm really excited for Bobby Lashley potentially winning the W Championship pretty soon from the Miz. Because if anybody else deserves it, it's Bobby Lashley. Because he, if you want to award somebody for work they've done recently... Within the past few months, it's definitely him, especially on Raw. Like I said, Raw has nothing going on. We a couple weeks ago we thought it was gonna be Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, but even that would have been stale. And you hear reports of they have no idea what to do with the WWE Championship. And if you wanted to speculate, there's nothing really to speculate because there's nothing actually there. Nobody has stood out on Raw. But if you had to actually pick out somebody that has stood out, it has been Bobby Lashley. So I'm looking forward to that. And also the thing I did enjoy was. Uh, Miz trying to weasel his way out of it on Raw Monday night. <laughs> With Lashley giving him an ultimatum within the hour, which wasn't really met. So Lashley ends up defeating Braun Strowman. It'll be Lashley and The Miz next week. One thing I did appreciate what they did was, I think, I really, well, I really did appreciate the fact that Drew McIntyre was not on Raw to actually sell the, sell the beat down in the the beat down angle and actually build up for his return. But the question is, does Lashley win the title on Raw or does he win it at Fastlane? Because we have to have the pay-per-view coming up. And that's one thing that I hate the WWE does when they throw in the extra pay-per-view in the following month when you really don't have to. Like I'm I'm about to review No Way Out 2001. This happened February 25th. There's no March pay-per-view. Even though WrestleMania was April 1st, there was no March pay-per-view. You just had TVs. I would, WWE, and there's been plenty of time where WWE just had a February pay-per-view, took off of March, and WrestleMania will be the first weekend of April. So they could actually do that here, but it's not it's not happening that way. So we're getting fast lane, but it's interesting to see whether Bobby Lashley will walk out WWE Champion Monday night or not. I would like The Miz to actually hold the title a little bit longer until fast lane, but... It's all about when Drew McIntyre actually does return. I think it's better for Lashley to just win the title without seeing Drew McIntyre. But that doesn't seem to be the case. With Fastline being three and a half weeks away on March 21st, you have to expect to see Drew McIntyre back on TV within the t- within the near future. And for, with the time span of now to Fastlane, I would think that will end up being this Monday Night on Raw interfering. We poss- possibly end up getting a triple threat. But I would love for this Miz title reign to actually kind of get some time and actually develop into something 
a little bit more than just a whole week title reign. But the Miz definitely deserves it. I'm looking forward to this. Bobby Lashley, if anybody on Raw deserves it, it is definitely him. So I'm looking forward to that. Next up, the SmackDown Elimination, the Smackdown Elimination Chamber match. Daniel Bryan goes on to win that Elimination Chamber match, which I thought he was the right person to actually win. Because he's the he's the fan favorite, and plus he's also taken a lot of L's lately to the guys in the match, including Cesaro on on numerous occasions. So I thought Daniel Bryan actually winning was perfect, and is also it's also that fan favorite that you could actually want to see challenge Roman Reigns. He'll be the one to challenge Roman Reigns, and he's also the he's also the resilient one, the ultimate underdog. So the perfect reason, the perfect person to win that match, and he quickly gets a label lock locked in on Roman Reigns. Reigns breaks it amazingly and gets a quick win i also love roman reigns actually kind of like being like i'm not competing in in, in elimination chamber i'm competing at elimination chamber so i love that whole aspect of it like he's too good for it like he does not need to be in that match i love that whole aspect of it. i love his attitude towards it and after the match we get edge attacking roman reigns and finally saying that he's going to challenge him at wrestlemania for the universal championship now i enjoyed edge's whole uh Royal Rumble winner winning Royal Rumble Royal Rumble winners tour that he took against Raw NXT and SmackDown. The interactions with McIntyre was a little bit strange. I love his interaction with with Finn Balor and Pete Dunne. I would love to see Edge fight one of those guys and either one of those guys in NXT. But the Roman Reigns one was the most solidified confrontation that he actually had during his tour and. I'm looking forward to this entire thing. I still hold out hope that Christian gets involved, but the way Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan's match ended and Edge coming to Daniel Bryan's aid, I think Daniel Bryan will be the Daniel Bryan will be the one kind of teaming up with Edge in the situation, trying to get another championship match. Three and a half weeks now is fast line. I think Daniel Bryan will be the one challenging Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. Remember, this is also a few few that they actually tease late around November December before Roman Reigns was dealing with Kevin Owens. So I think Daniel Bryan would be the perfect person to hold over Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns until he finally faces Edge at WrestleMania. And also, we we know both Edge and Daniel Bryan are both on the creative team. So it's like, kind of got to think to yourself, do you see a triple threat? Do you see Edge possibly putting his title, on, his title shot on the line because he saw how Daniel Bryan didn't get a fair shake? at Elimination Chamber. So that's also that's very interesting to actually think about. And I'm looking forward to this entire thing as well. I think the promos with Edge and Roman Reigns will be will be excellent. WrestleMania, I believe, is the almost the 10th the 10 year anniversary of when Edge officially retired. And I would love for that show to go off the air with Edge as the Universal Champion main eventing. But it's all but the I saw it's all about the ride with Daniel Bryan involved now, which it looks like to see. SmackDown's tomorrow. I'll, we will know more tomorrow but I think Daniel Bryan will end up getting involved. I'm still, I still want to see Christian wrestling in this in this point, but it looks like it's going to be Daniel Bryan involved in this story and not Christian. And now also down with Miss Champion Sasha Banks teaming with Bianca Belair, the Royal Rumble winner, to take on Naomi, um, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler for the women's tag team titles. And this I had hopes for going into it because the women's tag team titles at this point are basically props. And we talk about this all the time, how these championships that they have now are props. But these are legit props. You just walk around with it. But I'm always cool with tag team titles progressing a story. Because Sasha and Bianca, they're not really enemies or frenemies yet. They're still pretty much on the same page when it comes to be to having each other's back. And how, one of my favorite Corey Graves lines of all time has been, you got to back 
Banks got a knife, you know. So I'm with. So somebody's going to end up turning on somebody, not quite heel, but somebody's going to try to get the upper hand on the other pretty soon. But I thought that Sasha and Bianca would be the ones to end up taking the tag team titles from Nia and Shayna, and then eventually drop them to Ra- 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 Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai on NXT. But we're going to get Nia and Shayna against Kai and Gonzalez on NXT next week. So. I'm looking forward to that match, but I thought that Sasha and Bianca would be perfect to actually put the titles on, make them actually matter, and actually put them in a meaningful story and progress their story and the, while they become frenemies in the process. But I was all fine with that. But uh, the addition of Reginald... Um, Reginald is fucking perfect. We got to give Reginald his flowers because Reginald... I'm not sure where this is going because, Car- because Carmella is still looming around in this. Um, I'm not a big fan of of everybody putting their Royal Rumble title shot. I mean, the Royal Rumble title shot on the line. But Carmella's still around, and I'm not sure what she's doing. I love how obsessed Reginald is with Sasha Banks. How he's in love with her. Don't blame him. But um, Carmella on SmackDown running him down. Like, where were you? <laughs> I love that. Uh, Reg, Reginald, a national treasure. So I'm really enjoying this. See where this goes. But like I said, Carmella's still looming. And she's going to get involved with this somehow because of, the, because of Reginald also being around. Because that's her sommelier. But we have more to go to see what's going on. But I'm definitely enjoying what's going on right now. And I can't wait for the frenemies portion of this to actually start. And by the way, I want to, before I forget, the whole aesthetic of Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair, especially during the entrance when it came out, it looked perfect. They looked like money when it came out together. And I cannot wait to see this match. I cannot, I think these two women have amazing chemistry and I hope this main event's night one because like I said about the WWE Championship scene, there's nothing for the WWE Championship that seems relevant or main event worthy. This sounds main event worthy. Have this main event night one and have Edge and Roman close out night two. That's what I'm pitching right now, WWE. Also, Rhea Ripley's debuting on Raw soon. So, congratulations to Rhea Ripley. They finally find something for her. Um, and also, that's going to lead into the Raw Women's Championship about what's going on with that. Uh, Lacey Evans pregnant, and the storyline is over with Ric Flair. And this is all I got to say about it. Hated it. All right, that's it. All right, so, Oscar uh, and Charlotte. I don't need to see Oscar and Charlotte again because anytime Oscar and Charlotte face each other for a title, we already know who's going to win. But something that I meant to say about Drew McIntyre is, the two people that kind of got the short end of the stick last year at WrestleMania is Rhea Ripley and Drew McIntyre. Because Rhea Ripley defending the NXT title at WrestleMania was supposed to be a legitimately big deal. Even though it ended up putting the title on Charlotte, it was supposed to be a big deal. Also for Drew McIntyre, putting the title on him defeating Brock was supposed to be a big deal. So, I think that Rhea Ripley and both Drew McIntyre are going to get their moments this year at WrestleMania. So, I, I do think that Rhea Ripley will end up facing Asuka for the World Women's Championship at WrestleMania. The question is, does Charlotte get involved in, 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 for it to be a triple threat? That also kind of that kind of go, go, coincides with my whole Universal Championship with Edge, Edge, Roman, and, and Daniel Bryan. But I think if you want to do a triple threat match, it makes more sense here because Rhea Ripley looking to avenge her loss to Charlotte last year at WrestleMania and involving Oscar in it, who's actually been involved with Charlotte as a tag team champions and with this whole terrible storyline with Lacey Evans and Ric Flair. I think that this is the perfect match 
for these three to actually end up having at WrestleMania. So I'm looking forward to that. You cannot you cannot mess you cannot mess Rhea Ripley up. You just can't. Don't don't do it. Strap the rocket to her back and let her take the hell off. Don't 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 fuck this up. Okay, Rhea Ripley deserves better than that. Get give her all you can WWE on Raw because Raw's fucking horrible. And I need something to watch. I need something to make me watch Raw. And Rhea Ripley's one of them. So that's it for the weekly content. Now for the advertised content. No Way Out 2001. If you haven't been on this before, we'll play for you our rating system. The following podcast has a rating system in place. If it's a horrible show, it gets a jobber. If the show falls somewhere in the middle, it gets a slower knocker. And if it is an amazing show, it gets the rating of ratings. It will get a showstopper. So, No Way Out 2001. Almost... Night, uh, 20 years to the day, <laughs> depending on when you're listening to this. And my, but my God, 20, I'm getting fucking old, man. Um, a young Alo was nine years old at this point. Um, in the fourth grade in Miss Lara's class, shout out to Miss Lara. Um, this was a great time. And, um, I'm gonna give the show a showstopper. And one thing I enjoy about this show was the pacing. Uh, nothing was too long. And it gave the two marquee matches, the time that they actually needed with Triple H, Austin, and Kurt Angle on The Rock. And the show was built around those two matches specifically. Even though Rock and Angle main event, it felt like Austin and Helmsley were the headliners for this actual show. And I told you about the road to WrestleMania, about how in most in rec- in most cases nowadays that it's just a straight shot to WrestleMania. Nothing dramatic happens. There's no twists and turns, no construction, no nothing. But here, at No Way Out, there actually was and on the road to this WrestleMania because you had Austin winning the Rumble. You had him had this, his finish off his feud with Triple H. You had Kurt Angle losing the title to The Rock. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. You also had other things going on with everybody else. The tag titles was, was, was different. The IC title scene. Everything There was something going on with everybody for their road to WrestleMania to kind of have some twist and turn to it. And th- they're doing that this year, but... This year specifically, they actually did it did a real good job at it, especially when Rock and Austin when Rock will win the title and build the feud with Austin. If everybody for, the one forgotten thing about their feud is Deborah becoming the Rock's manager, which really didn't need to fucking happen, and just something that everybody kind of wiped off their mind. But they involved Deborah in that storyline, so that was kind of not quite a stop. Might be might, might be a little yield, but it was part of the story, and it was part of the the quote unquote road to WrestleMania. All the things that were actually going on. So I do appreciate that. Looking back at it, uh, I missed the sets so much because I don't think I understand it's a cost cutting measure, but the sets added so much. It made it feel like you're not just watching the weekly shows. When you watch pay-per-views nowadays on WWE television, it's like you're not watching anything new. You know, you watch the pay-per-view, the pay-per-view might be shit, but you're actually look like, actually watching something different. And I remember being a kid running home to be home by 
be home by seven to watch Sunday Night Heat to see the the pre-show match just to see what the stage looked like. And um, that's what I really enjoyed about this time. If it made the show feel special, no matter how good or bad it actually was. And one thing also on this show was we always talk about how on these older shows and comparing them to now that hardly anyone on the shows now is memorable. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of people are forgettable, but on this show, you can remember everybody on this card. If you walked up to anybody and said, Hey, do you remember Raven from wrestling? Heck yeah. You remember the Dully boys? Yeah. You remember the big show, AKA Paul White now in AEW? Yeah. You remember, uh, um, X-Pac, Taz, Eddie Guerrero, it all goes on. You remember everybody on the show. You could even probably say the cat at this point. We'll get to that horror story later. But everybody on the show was actually memorable. And the only show that actually does that well, that kind of gives everybody a little something to do and make you actually think about it, is SmackDown. SmackDown is the best wrestling show on television. Uh, b- besides NXT. AEW, they got a lot of work to do. They were affected by the pandemic. But I think SmackDown is the best weekly show on television. They get... They get everything out of everybody in that two hours, unlike Raw in this three hours, which makes no damn sense to me. The first match we're going to talk about here, it was a fucking mess, but people will remember this. First match was the hardcore championship match between Raven and the Big Show. Not a lot here, but it's memorable. You remember the hardcore title. You remember everybody running in. Crash Holly, memorable person. Billy Gunn, a memorable person. Um, The only person that it was forgettable in this is Tori, who, well... The, um, the max the masked person it was Tori the storyline was shortly dropped she wasn't even revealed on Raw she was actually revealed in an episode of Sunday Night Heat a few weeks later but this story went that story went to actually nothing but the hardcore title a def- definitely a very fun title to have it's memorable it might have been a mess but you remember it here Crash Holly wins the hardcore title in this match Billy Gunn wins the hardcore title in the match and eventually the big show's the one that actually ends up leaving the show as the hardcore champion not much here like I said I love Raven walking down with his uh, car to gimmicks all the time not a lot but a memorable match a memorable moment with the hardcore title the next up we get Kurt Angle arriving to the arena he's greeted by Lillian Garcia in the next match before the match, we have an interview with Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit, two members of the Radicals at the time. They talk about how they're going to coexist in the match for the IC title, and they'll have a common enemy in Chris Jericho. And Chris Jericho, he's going to defend his IC title against Eddie Guerrero, X-Pac, and Eddie Guerrero, um, Chris Benoit here. And one thing I actually did like was everybody had a, a gripe with Jericho because back at No Mercy, Jericho... In- Jericho was in a cage match with X-Pac. X-Pac would eventually get hurt in that match. And that was, but that was the last time I actually saw X-Pac. So he wrote it off as Jericho injuring X-Pac. Jericho inj- storyline injured Eddie Guerrero on a, on, on, um, in December. So that also adds to the match. Jericho took the IC title from Chris Benoit the month prior in an epic ladder match, which nobody ever talks about. I understand why, but if anybody needs if anybody needs wants to see a good ladder match this, this month or this week, go watch that at the Royal, at the Royal Rumble. Excellent ladder match, one of the best all time. It just doesn't get talked about because of who's in it. But I thought this was a really good match. I really did. I thought all four worked their asses off. It starts off a bit slow, but it actually picks up at the end here. X Pac, like I said, he's one of the he's the main returning guy. Kind of ditched the DX color the, on his way to ditching everything from DX. He had new tights from no, but he wore a No Mercy 2000. He still had his old DX theme, but he would quickly transition away from that. You got the you got the inclusion of Just Incredible helping X Pac in this entire match. I thought Jericho shined in this match a lot. 
of course, Eddie and Benoit, they did their thing. Of course, their coexistence did not end up working long term because the goal is to win the Intercontinental Championship. But a lot of fast-paced action here. And Jericho would roll X-Pac up to retain his Intercontinental title and go on to WrestleMania. Now, next up, um, <laughs> we got to get William Regal his flowers. Um, it was a backstage segment with uh, Vince and William Regal. And Vince is telling Regal that he's going to do the right thing. And um, if I can, I'm going to track this and I'm going to put it in right here. When the time is right, I know you'll know exactly what to do. Yes, I'll know what to do. How the bloody hell am I supposed to know what to do? Not sure if it worked, but I I, I tracked it because th this entire thing is perfect. It, re it really is. So that leads into... Stephanie remembers to Trish Stratus. Now, I understand the whole, we hate this style. We don't, what's pulling hair? What's slapping? What's this, what's this style? Women hate this style. But, this was a fucking awesome match. <laughs> I recommend watching this because this is the story when Trish was Vince's personal friend. And Stephanie hated it. And also with the whole Lindeth angle, but it, for a cat fight, this this was a this was fun. And there's actually story in a cat fight. These women legitimately hated each other. Told a hell of a story. Uh, Stephanie with innovative offense even busts out a power bomb. These women they got really physical with each other. Stephanie uh, with a barricade clothesline even. Uh, this is before Trish's Trish was well seasoned in the ring, but. You gotta get. I'm t you gotta watch this match because it had some wrestling. Uh, it was more of a fight. It had a somewhat of a big match feel. The crowd was not dead for this at all. The crowd was completely into this. And I gotta say, I gotta say, a young Stephanie and Trish. Whew. But I recommend watching this match. I thought it was really fun. Uh, Stephanie showing her chops and Jr. even put over. Well, Jr. and King even put over Stephanie. Like those McMahon's can fight and. Both women got physical, and this way end up with William Regal end up coming down to the ring and <clears throat> making the right choice, quote unquote. He takes out Stephanie first. Well, he puts Trish over Stephanie after both they take each other out, and then he's like, "No, I don't know. I don't know. What, like, what am I doing? What am I doing?" And uh, Trish gets mad, slaps Regal. Regal hits a net break on Trish, and Stephanie's your winner. And then after the match. We get Vince irate at Regal and sets up a match with Vince and Trish versus Regal and Stephanie the next night on Raw, which will be the which would when they would embarrass Trish. And uh, I I highly recommend watching this match. It, it you you it might be cringy, but for for a cat fight and a two thousand one women's match, this is probably one of the best women's matches you actually get. And that will lead to. One of the main points of this show, that's Triple H and Stone Cold in the three state in the it was two it was two out of three falls at this point, but it was later known to be known as three stages of hell. And prior to the well, in the beginning of the show you heard the video package. I thought this was an excellent, well done feud. I thought the video package was excellent as always what WWE does with their stuff. I really enjoyed this match. Um 
this two out of three falls match is, a, is still a classic. It holds up to this day. And in the first fall, you see, well, even in the beginning, like you see how much these guys hate each other in the video package. Vince had them sign an agreement. I'm saying they wouldn't touch each other unless physically provoked. And you saw Austin stunning Stephanie, and Triple H couldn't do anything about it. You saw Triple H attacking JR the following SmackDown. Austin couldn't do nothing about it. And you saw them both call each other the WWF title. Austin on Raw, Triple H at the Rumble. Everything worked for this story. So we get now we here. You see the hatred between these two. Right up right from the opening bell, these guys are going at it. J- the second falls a street fight. King saying, "This is the this is the wrestling match. Imagine this, what the street fights gonna look like." And this match got completely physical. It really did. This was definitely my match of the night. If you if you watch anything this week, I think this should be it because they told an amazing story here. There's even psych- a lot of psychology in this match. Triple H going for the Austin's knee, which is always the target. Austin going for Triple H's shoulder. Those both cut, end up coming into play. Triple H <clears throat> wasn't able to hit a pedigree because of that. Uh, Austin wins the first fall. The second fall, they end up in the crowd. Remember those? Um, we, we saw a Barbie side. We had a Barbie side in, a sledgy side in. Triple H ends up winning the second fall with the sledgehammer in a pedigree. And the third fall. The third fall, I thought, was perfect with the steel cage because in the steel cage, it's told the story of both men being fatigued. Both men busted open. Both men exhausted. And then you get both guys sharing uh, stealing finishers in this match to pull out everything. You guys are pulling out all the stops at this point to actually win this match. And I actually love that aspect aspect of it because it's, it's desperation and the desperation makes sense because... You got these guys have been going at it for almost 30 minutes already. It's like, what the hell I gotta do to actually beat this guy? And I remember going to school the next day because my scramble box, I didn't, uh, my scrambler box for some, some, at some point, they, they figured out how to block the scrambler box. <laughs> so I, so this one was blocked out and I wasn't able to see it. So the next day, you know, I, I had this friend in my class named Sherman. And he will always be the one that I would ask to pay for your results. And he didn't really know. He would just fucking lie. <laughs> uh, shout out to Sherman, love Sherman, by the way. But um, so I remember I went to judo later that day. And Sherman told me Stone Cold won. And then there's a, there was this girl. I forgot. I, I, I cannot remember her name. But she's like, no, Triple H won. I was like, really? How? She's like, he felt they both fell on each other. And Triple H arm fell over offense. I was like, huh, really? And... I eventually was seated to see it on Raw, what happened. And I was like, okay, Triple H is my guy, so I'm excited. So, <clears throat> Triple H wins the two out of three falls match. They protect Austin because both men hit each other at the same time with both their respective weapons. Triple H just happens to fall on Austin. Austin loses nothing because he's still going to WrestleMania. And Triple H gets, gets, the win, gets the win. So, I thought this story was told absolutely perfectly is one of my favorite matches i'm i'm glad i actually revisited this because i forgot how good this actually was but if you do anything this week you need a match to watch i highly recommend watching this one and that will lead into (sighs) that leads into this stevie richards versus jerry lawler with the cat if rtc wins 
Cat joins if Cat joins the RTC. If Jerry, if Jerry Lawler wins, the cat gets nude. The cat was really trying to start a group called the Right to Nudity. What? The right to nudity. What? <sighs> yeah, man. How my mom let me watch this shit? God, God, God damn. Like, who let the kids watch this shit? The right to nudity. My mom let me watch this shit. The right to nudity. <laughs> anyway, no, ain't nobody. First of all, first of all, if you want, if you want to see cast little tiny titties, you gotta watch Armageddon, Armageddon 1999. If you get the VHS, if you don't know what that is, that's a little square thing that goes into a VCR. But oh, nobody wants to see the cat titties. But anyway, the cat Stevie Richards versus Jerry Lawler. I'm a big Stevie Richards fan. A lot RTC got a lot of flack back in the day, but I personally enjoyed RTC because it was a, it was a, it was. Vince and WWE being petty against the parent-teacher conference or associate, whatever the hell they were called. So they made the RTC. All the characters they were complaining about, they put them in a group. Worked perfectly, in my opinion. You stripped everybody down. They were fan favorites. You stripped them down, and they became the complete opposite. Loved it. Worked, had, was effective. Didn't have longevity, but it was effect, completely effective for the time. So, this match was Okay. Um, nothing really happened. The cat actually knocks Jerry Lawler out instead of Stevie Richards and would end up causing him this match. So the cat would quote unquote be, be forced to join RTC, but this was both cat and King's last night with the company. And King would, would not return until the night after Survivor Series. And I remember the next night on Raw, I didn't know who the hell Paul Heyman actually was. I knew what ECW was, but I didn't know who Paul Heyman was. I mean, who's, who's this guy? And they, they, they explained who he, who he actually was. But, that was the match. That's all I have to say about it. Completely. Um, we then have the tag team title match. Triple threat tag team tables match for, for the tag team titles here. Dudley's defending against Edge and Christian and The Undertaker and Kane. And when I tell you when I was so I was so amped for this match as a child because Undertaker and Kane Undertaker was my was my other guy. I I just thought that I was like, all right, him and Kane are definitely gonna win the tag titles. They're definitely gonna, they're gonna destroy Edge and Christian. Please, they're gonna destroy Edge and Christian. The Dullies, please, they're gonna destroy the Dullies because they were built up to that level. And in this match, they were portrayed as they were as they were built up to that level because they actually were. The theme of this match was to keep Undertaker and Kane out this match. There's there's a there's a there's a there's some moments in this match where Undertaker and Kane are outside the ring because <coughs> Edge and Christian and Dellies took them out to keep them away from this from this match. That was the story, keeping the two giants out of this match. And I thought they did an actually really good job of it, and it actually made sense because those were those two were credible challengers, and they can definitely and they were able to defeat them. But we also had uh, interference from Rikishi and Haku, of all people. They were renewing a feud that died maybe a month or so prior, <clears throat> and then would actually die again. But Rikishi and Haku would interfere as Undertaker and Kane were about to win the tag titles because the second Undertaker and Kane were actually able to get involved in the match, they were about to win. And that's the story that they would tell. Undertaker and Kane were the two most viable people in that match and could win at any second when they actually got the opportunity to. And one thing, one thing I want to say about this is 
At this point, even though they're known as the most decorated tag team of all time, are the Dudleys underrated? Because we don't really hear much about the Dudley boys that much anymore. You know, it's like, maybe because Devon's an agent and Bubba's doing Busted Open. But we don't really hear much about the Dudleys, especially on television. You know, it's just a question. Like, we all know about the Dudleys, but... Are they are they getting their just do? Are they getting their flowers when they should? That's something that we gotta kind of think about here. But <clears throat> the Delhi Boys retain the tag team titles here, and the road to WrestleMania would for the tag titles would be strange as well because the Delhi's would end up losing the tag titles to the Hardys, and then Christian would win them back from the Hardys, and then Christian would beat the Hardys, and then in the same in the same night. Adam Christian will lose the titles back to the Dudleys. So there was a road to WrestleMania for the tag team titles too. So there was a theme with everybody on their road to WrestleMania respectively, which I really did enjoy. And that will lead into the main event for the WWE Championship, The Rock versus Kurt Angle. And one thing about The Rock is, with this entire thing with Kurt Angle was, it came full circle because Kurt Angle defeated The Rock at no mercy for his WWF Championship. And also, The Rock still in one of Kurt's eyes, intensity, um... Because the Rock, he was not complete jokes during this entire feud with Kurt Angle. It was it was truly real with these two, and it was actually very very serious. And you would see the Rock in the promos counting down tick tock, tick tock, because he's ticking he's counting down Kurt Angle's final reign as champion. And I said it came full circle. And one thing I did enjoy was during this time they would after the Royal Rumble they would advertise. The championship match. So, for a month, they would advertise for WrestleMania, Kurt Angle versus Stone Cold. And then, if The Rock won, it would change. <clears throat> but they put some belief into you that it's Kurt Angle versus Stone Cold at WrestleMania. Which wouldn't have been, been the case, but they actually plan it in your mind and give you the image of it. But, I thought this was a really good match. I thought it followed up perfectly to their No Mercy match. I thought that the feud told it's this match told his story with the feud. This is the first this is around the time Kurt Angle introduces the ankle lock into his repertoire and it actually affects the rock. We got a big show siding because the rock defeated the defeated the big show become number one contender. We got that we got a big show siding. I thought the match was really good. These two had amazing chemistry and the rock would end up the rock would well, there will be a botch ending but the rock would end up finally defeating Kurt Angle to win the WWE championship and go on to WrestleMania to face Stone Cold Steve Austin and his role to WrestleMania would continue from the ramp. Perfect way to end the show. If anybody actually picked up on that. Oh, uh, before I, before I forget, uh, Adam Cole, baby, Adam Cole, baby. Salute a Adam Cole. I didn't get a chance to talk about NXT Vengeance Day. I thought it was an excellent show. I really did. And uh, the story coming out of that is Adam Cole in undisputed era, well, attacking Kyle O'Reilly leaving Roderick Strong hanging, and then he finally attacks Roderick Strong this week on NXT. And I just want to say, it's about um, this but so much you could do with Undisputed Era. They've done everything they actually can in NXT. So, if there's a time to break them up now, it break them up, it's now. Because Kyle O'Reilly, he had that little singles run in that title match with Finn Balor, and, and, and even teamed up with him in the Dusty Classic. So, there's nothing so Kyle Raleigh branching out on his own is perfect. 
Adam Cole was kind of floating, doing really doing nothing, kind of in the in the back, letting Kyle O'Reilly do his thing. And now you could have Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole feud, and potentially have Adam Cole get called up to the main roster and get the demo- well get demoted to go to the main roster. And if Kyle O'Reilly is in NXT and becomes NXT champion. I don't think anybody would complain because I think Adam Cole is actually built more, built at this point more for for Raw SmackDown SmackDown preferably, but he's built more for that instead of Kyle O'Reilly. You can keep Kyle O'Reilly at NXT, make him NXT champion or contend for the NXT championship, and everybody would be completely okay with it. He won't get lost in the shuffle. If Kyle O'Reilly came up to Raw SmackDown, he would no doubt get lost in the shuffle because I don't think Vince would really see anything special in him at all. But Adam Cole, I think, would be perfect on Raw or SmackDown, preferably SmackDown. Get Kyle O'Reilly to win win the match that they actually eventually have. I hope it's a series of matches, but I hope Kyle O'Reilly gets gets the win and Adam Cole can move on to the other shows. So, that's it for this week's episode. Um... The next episode, there will be an episode soon. I'll put it that way. I'm not going to put a date on it. There will be an episode soon. Um, in the upcoming weeks, I know I'm, in the upcoming weeks, I know I'm going to review WrestleMania 22. I know that for a fact. But I can't put a timetable on it. It's my daughter's world. I'm just living in it. So, as always, subscribe on all podcast platforms, iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher. Follow us on Instagram at Matt Madness Podcast. What I'm maneuvering on Netflix, Matt Madness Gear. And Rings at Collectibles. Use promo code MMANIS to save 10% off your order. That's it for the show. I, and I'm Alo Aaron Lloyd, and I will see you guys soon. Talking all of this madness. They talking all of they talking all of they hop on the top rope. About the land with this elbow. Got them now, put them down right now. Hit them with the palm handle. Tuning up the band, y'all don't understand. Fist the Superman, it's a summer slam. Here we go again. Fans mocking man, man, I hate my ball. Shut the Vince McMahon, it ain't safe to land. Off the cell, fans love it, ain't hard to tell. Talking madness, awesome. Well, what I'm cooking, man, y'all off the smell.